there, the more important thing is the fact that we use organic cotton. Yeah. Because that is helping the environment. It's helping the farmers who grow the organic cotton. Mm. It's also helping all of the people who live in that area. Welcome to the Kindred Mentor Podcast. I'm Michelle, the founder of Kindred Global Mentorship, and this is our podcast in which we meet real business owners just like you and me and learn from them how they do it in their industry, their learnings, their stumbling blocks, what they wish they'd known starting out, and much more. In this episode, I'm talking to Rachel Pines, founder and owner of Moonbird Designs, an organic cotton pajamas business. She joins me to talk about how she launched a business in the fair trade space, what it means to do ethical business, what mentoring has meant for her, and the challenges of being a woman entrepreneur. Welcome, Rachel. I'd just like to start by asking you just to tell us a bit about your business. I've always had it in my head to design pajamas or swimwear and really could never find any designs that I liked. And when I started to look at how I could get things made, I realised that without doing it fair trade or, you know, making sure that everything was done ethically, that I couldn't sleep at night. So I knew that I had to um, work with a fair trade company or one that had you know, good ethical philosophies. Decided to contact a few. Um, one of them was um, just fitted all my um, criteria because, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, they did uh, hand screen printing, which is exactly what I was looking for. And they did it all in the same, you know, you just dealt with one company. So I went to visit them and the rest is... Okay, so you actually did you you found out about fair trade then after after you decided to start a business or did you do all this investigating before you decided to actually go into clothing? No, it was after. It was yes. after, okay. So yes. I think, you know, I wouldn't really have been aware of it before then. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And ha- so how did you get started from that point? You were in touch with these organizations? And I got some samples made while I was over there. And then um, decided to put in, you know, a first production order to see how it went. Okay, so you actually travelled to India to get a sample. Yes, and I worked with the production facility for about 10 days and visited their screen printing um, facility there as well. And yes, just met everybody and, and worked with them. So I knew that inside the facility it was, you know, decent conditions that the temperature temperature wasn't too high and um you know spending that much time around them as well like it's amazing know, yeah so did the organization in england then put you in touch with it with this particular factory or this particular oh no the ethical fashion forum right um just gives you the details oh, okay. and then you contact each of the places separately by I yourself okay. so i, I yeah. was in direct contact I see. Okay. with the um here yeah in india from so the very do, beginning so the ethical what was it called again? The ethical ethical fashion forum. So the ethical fashion forum, they do a lot of the groundwork for people who are working in fair trade. Do they or no? They're just a um, an advocacy um, organization that brings awareness for ethical fashion. So how did they find these uh, these ethical producers? That people contact them to join their database. Oh, I see. Okay, so yeah. they, so these people in Jaipur would have joined their da- database, and that's how you found out about it. Yes. Okay, so there's a fair bit of organization behind the fair trade movement. There's a lot of you know, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, it's um, 
there are quite a few different fair trade organisations as well that you can have accreditation through. Mm. So the whole area is quite complex. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, and so what was the next step for you after that? You got the sample, you decided, you know, that the the conditions of the, of the workers, you know, satisfied your own requirements. It was definitely fair trade. You liked what you saw. And so then you decided to um, order some pajamas to be made. Yeah. And a production order. Okay. Yeah. 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 And that took about 12 weeks Mm. and they shipped them to Australia and the quality was excellent. Yeah. So yeah, I launched my brand. Fantastic. And so tell me a bit about that. What does that mean? How did you launch your brand? What were the steps involved in that for you? Did you hop onto social media? Or did you have your logo made? Well, we'd already um, designed the website and the logo and everything. Mm. And we, of course, we had a launch party. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> and you would have known other fair trade people, people in fair trade businesses by then in Sydney, I guess. So. I was starting to. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Beginning to become aware of, of how large the, uh, the network is. Yeah. Yeah. All throughout Australia. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. And so you had the website, you had your items, and then you had to find customers. Yes. So tell me about that. <laughs> but that's still difficult. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Uh, the website uh, is only just beginning to um, gain traction now. Yeah. And everybody did tell me that it takes at least six months. So uh, you started out with wholesale. Is that where you're at at the moment? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I do trade shows. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, just trade shows in Australia. Yes. Yeah. And tell me a bit more about the fair trade community in Australia, because you know I think there are a lot of people who are starting out a business who have the same values that you do, and you know, and that we share, and you know, are wanting to, you know, find out more, get involved. Is it just? I mean, how would you describe? How would you describe what constitutes fair trade? Obviously, it's not just. It's not just chocolate or coffee or pajamas is it is it more broad than that well it's there's two sides to it because you can either have a fair trade product Mm. like bananas or chocolate or coffee or you can have a fair trade made product so the it the fair trade encompasses the way that it's made so that you know a garment is made yeah I, i could have fair trade cotton if I could source it yeah. at this stage, I'm still struggling to do that. Mm. Um, but it is something that we are working on. Right. Um, so my product is fair trade manufactured. Yeah. Um, and uh, there are lots of different accrediting bodies for those different areas as yeah, well. Yeah. So, um, yes, I, I, I would love to be able to have the fair trade logo that you see on coffee and tea. Right, yeah. But until I have fair trade cotton, mm. I won't be able to do that. And and what kinds of other businesses are out there that, that, that you're aware of um, that you network with in Australia in terms of fair trade? Are they, are they in all different kinds of industries production or mainly in one area over another? Well, <clears throat> I don't have a lot to do with um, coffee and tea producers, although we do see them at markets if I do markets. Yeah. Um, but mainly... Um, the other people that I know are all in uh, manufacturing crafts okay. or fashion. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, and they're all from lots of different areas in the mm. world. Okay. Yeah. And I remember you've said to me a few times that one of the things you most love about doing fair trade is that it's such a supportive business community. Yes. Yeah. Tell me about that. Yes. Um, for our trade shows, uh, yeah. we have what's called the Fair Trade Zone, yeah. and the Australian Gifts and Homewares Association have been amazing in supporting us. To 
you know, to have a fair trade section because yeah. they'd never had this before. Yeah. So first time for the past two years, um, we've had this aisle of fair trade businesses and we have one in Sydney and one in Melbourne. Yeah. And when we went to Melbourne, you know, it's like a big party. Yeah. We all know each other. We all go out to dinner afterwards. We all look after yeah. each other's stands when somebody yeah. goes for their lunch. Yeah. And it's just amazing. Yeah. Each of the states also have their own um, group. Okay. Um, so I'm part of the New South Wales That's Network cool. Group. And and then we have the umbrella of the whole national association, but it's for Australia and New Zealand. And do you think this is unusual in business um, to have this degree of cooperation and, and so on? I mean, do you, have you had a different experience prior to that? Well, I have never um, had an experience in other types of business, really. Yeah. Um, but I am told that it is uh, unusual. Okay. Yeah. Okay. How would you say that your fair trade business more broadly and tangibly helps others? I mean, it's, it seems like an obvious question because obviously you've gone, you've taken the trouble to go to Jaipur, you've seen the workers, you've seen the conditions, um, but that's part of, it's part of a broader thing as well, isn't it? It's not just about helping the individuals who are producing it. it it's something bigger. So maybe you could just share with us the something bigger. Well, I would say that it was more about the environmental mm. um, parts of, of my business, the materials that we use, because yeah. in terms of fair trade, um, <clears throat> I don't see that as much. Uh, the more important thing is the fact that we use organic cotton yeah. because that is helping the environment. It's helping the farmers who grow the organic cotton. Mm. It's also helping all of the people who live in that area because um, the growing of traditional um, types of cotton with pesticides uh, poisons the ground but it also poisons mm. all of the people who live in that area because it poisons the groundwater um, all the farmers cannot grow their own food on the same ground as they're growing traditional cotton oh, wow, okay. so if their crop fails yeah. they can't feed themselves because they have no money for that whole season because mm. they have to buy all their own food so it's supporting wow. not just the farmer but the whole community around as well the whole community yeah. yeah so this is part of what we don't understand as consumers isn't it when we buy things you know where where they're made where they've come from what the conditions of the people who produce them is like um what i mean what would you say to people who are you know really now beginning to question well where do my clothes come from i mean where, where do our clothes normally come from you know i mean you're selling cotton pajamas you know i mean most of us would have gone out and just bought a pair of pajamas you know, it's some, you know, well-known brand shop in the local mall, right? So, I mean, where, 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 do, where, where does it come from? What do you know about that? Generally, um, the cotton, in lots of respects, could have come from Uzbekistan. Um, yeah, they it's a big cotton growing industry. Huge, huge cotton. Um, yeah. They have a... a, a a man who um, is in charge of their country, who is yeah. a dictator, yeah. basically. Yeah. And um, so the, the slavery that is involved in, um, in the cotton industry in, in Uzbekistan, they take the children out of the schools and they force them to yeah, work in the do. fields during the yeah. harvest time. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah, I do actually know about this, Rachel, funnily mm. enough, because I did my thesis on um, a group of people called the Crimean Tatars. And they were um, originally from Ukraine. They're a Muslim people. And um, Stalin deported them in 1944 during the Second World War to Central Asia, deported them mostly to Uzbekistan because oh. he wanted to dilute their culture so they wouldn't be 
quite so Muslim, they would be more Soviet. And they were, they were basically, they lived in internment camps and they, you know, they built giant apartment buildings to house them all, but they were, you know, very much, at least for the first 10 years, in a, in a state of constant internment. One of the things that they were made to do was to, was to work in cotton oh, fields, yes. you know. So mm -hmm. they actually had a choice. They could either work in a cotton field or they could work um, in a factory. Um, they didn't have a choice about you know any other career, and they were you know banned from universities and so on. So when I was doing my thesis, actually, I'd met quite a few Crimean Tatars who now are back in their homeland, but they'd grown up in Uzbekistan, and they'd all they'd all had, had to, to. you know, during the whatever the season was, that was part of their lifestyle. They were forced to pick cotton. So it's interesting that you say that. I didn't realize it was still such a big industry in Uzbekistan. I think there is a, an awful lot of international mm. pressure being placed on them now yeah. um, and a lot of pressure being placed on the big brands to make sure that Uzbekistan um, cotton is not being part of their supply chains. Yeah. But it's still massive because massive, yeah. Uzbekistan sells it out to Canada, uh, China and yeah. Bangladesh. Yeah. And so a lot of companies don't know that it's being used. Yeah. Um, so unknowingly, yes. they are... They have slavery in their supply chains. And of course, as consumers, we don't know this because when we look at a label, it might say made in China, but it doesn't tell you, you know, wh where the actual cotton comes from or the polyester. Or whatever. You, know, you don't really know that part of the story, do you? No. So in a way, the only way to be assured that, that it's all happening in a fair manner, which is good for the environment, is if it actually says that it's, you know, fair trade or ethically produced. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And generally, mm. if you're buying something that's, you know, very cheap, um, then it's likely to have, you know, slavery somewhere in its supply somewhere chain. Supply Although chain. that doesn't discount, you know, big top brands, you know, from using the same thing as well. And they don't know either. Yeah. Um, mm. But yes, it's, it's very complex and difficult. And yeah. yeah, unless it says fair trade. You pretty much don't know. You don't know. And what has mm. the feedback been um, to you? You know, as a as a as the wholesaler um, on the products that you that you're selling, because obviously the price point inevitably it's going to be a bit higher than your you know your average cheap pajamas that you get in the shop. Do you have any consumer feedback from that? Yes, <clears throat> I, I do get a lot of people saying to me, oh, "I just I'd love to buy them, but I can't afford it." Yeah. Um, which is you know it's very difficult, but mm. I I again I can't afford to sell it any less and still yeah. be a viable business. So, yeah. yeah, unfortunately, this is the true cost. Yeah, it's the true cost of 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 what was what we should be paying for, I suppose. Yes, and if we've been led to believe yeah. for the past twenty thirty years that yeah. we can afford to buy things for less, but. There is a cost to that. There is a cost, yeah. And we'll pay for mm. the cost later on down the line, but you just don't see it. Well, it feeds into a larger system of, you know, our, our whole economic system and our whole class system as well, because, you know, obviously there's a lot of, um, you know, people, there are a lot of people doing it tough. I mean, in Australia, I forget the percentage, but there's a, a huge number of people who live, you know, at the poverty line or below the poverty line, somewhere near 10%, I think. And, you know, what that means is obviously they can't afford to, to buy things that are fair. So we get locked into a system, don't we, where people who, you know, with the higher incomes can, can make these ethical choices, but, you know, low down the, the chain it's not possible yeah yeah that's right and so I would imagine part of the whole movement with fair trade is to to bring more awareness and to change some of the practices around um, what we allow to be imported and the, and the pricing and all of the, the the policies around that is that is that in any way part of the fair trade movement in Australia just bringing more awareness to people and putting pressure on governments to have more regulation yes advocacy is huge 
part of uh, what fair trade does mm. um but yeah it uh, we're not a big enough organization to really put pressure on governments we don't have a lobbying body mm. um you know when we're not in you know a place to be able to do that just at this point but of course that would be something that i'm sure that they would like to do yeah and um, do you feel now that your business is starting to gain some traction? You've got more um, people interested. You're doing, you've stopped doing markets, I believe, and now you're just doing... Yeah, markets were very useful for me to actually meet the customers. So, um, you know, I found them really um, great in the beginning, but now I realise that, you know, my price point is a little bit too high for markets, so yeah. I'm concentrating on other areas. Okay. And what would you say, starting out, um, and even now, what are your biggest stumbling blocks? Um, Self-belief. When I have bad days, if if I'm feeling, you know, that woe is me, and <laughs> um, it, yeah. I can make everything a lot worse. That's, you know, yeah, it's, that's, it's, yeah. it's yeah. I really need to make sure that I have a long-term vision all yeah. the time. All the time. Because that's, what yeah. I give out, yeah. I will get back. Yeah. And so, you know, making sure that I, I have a positive outlook will, you know, carry me through the times when things are not looking so good. Yeah, and, yeah. and yeah, that's a good question. Where does that self-belief come from? I mean, I know that there's a lot of research around how with female business people, actually the biggest challenge is confidence. And yes. There are all these studies around that. And I know Susan, uh, Suzanne Daphnis of the Australian Businesswoman's Network has a whole ebook about about just just this you know that it's confidence that is is the killer and um yes yeah and where where does that come from do you think why is it oh it's uh it's everything mm. it's about what we're taught as mm. girls about body image about you know that women should take up less space that you know that it's all yeah. that you know men are more um level-headed you know all those things that we're taught as mm. as girls they run off into this and when you're a business owner and you have to make decisions for yourself you second guess yourself all the time all yeah. the time yeah, yeah. your your negative self talk becomes more and more and the cycle just goes on yeah. and you know it's so hard to just quiet that voice quiet that yeah. voice <laughs> yeah yeah you know the um uh, Cheryl Sandberg who's the CEO of Facebook has has a book called leaning in and it's about why women haven't quite attained the same level of success in business as men have despite mm. feminism and and one of the things she talks about is that um, girls traditionally do much better in their schooling than boys do that girls are really good at being the straight-a students and in, in every in, in every study at every level of education girls outperform boys you know and but then when it comes to going out to the business you know there's a different there's something different that's happening and, and she explains that like you know girls are taught to be good you know to be good students to do what they're to told to do what they're told to yep. answer the questions well and then actually when it comes to business it's not about that at all you have to think outside the box you have to break the rules you have to be yes you be know, naughty you have to be naughty yeah yeah yeah, yeah which yeah. is really you know foreign to girls yeah yeah but yeah. so important yeah absolutely yeah. yeah and so the way that you you deal with your own confidence issues is to have a long-term vision is that what you say is that yes gets you thinking about space? the the future and saying no business it, you know knows really that it's viable for three years you've not been three years yet and even then yeah. you know yeah. uh, but also 
each time I've made a goal, mm. keeping sight of that goal mm. and saying, you know, if I get halfway there, I need to make another goal. Yeah. Uh, or changing my goal and evolving yeah. all the time, saying, okay, I think that's not working. Mm. Let's do something different because I can. Yeah. Nothing is written in stone. Absolutely, because it's your business. Yeah. Yeah. And you prefer to have that absolute control over it. <laughs> Half the time, I would love to be sharing it with somebody else yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. chicken and egg. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so moving forward, what, what are your goals in the next? What are your goals in the medium term? And then what are your goals in the long term? Well, I've always said from the beginning that I really would like to be the first fair trade brand in David Jones. And since they recently announced their um, sustainability charter, right, yeah. um, I'm thinking, you know, that would be wonderful if, you know, yeah. their views started to align more with sustainability and yeah. allowing fair trade to become part of, you know, what they are and what they do and, you know, this iconic... Yeah. brand in australia so that has always been yeah you know the a goal, goal. Yeah. yeah yeah and so what about in the short term short to medium <clears throat> term um get through next week yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay so you, i guess you well you want brand recognition yeah yeah just yeah. to just to keep growing steadily yeah is wonderful and um start to employ more people yeah i think that you know being able to share the space with other like-minded people, people yeah. as as i've taken on part-time staff um you know just feeling so wonderful about you know their shared views and their shared vision yeah and um seeing them get excited when you know we have wins yeah. that's you know really awesome to see yeah and what would you say is, yeah, so speaking about, you know, sharing that journey with others, you've done it pretty much on your own from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, which is how a lot of us do it. I mean, it's certainly how I started with Kindred. You know, you have an idea and then you, you start to take steps towards it. But then for a long while, it's just you and your, and your, and your head, really. Um, but what about guidance? Because I know for me, you know, there's... You know, I always had friends in business I could go to and say, can you read this bit of my business plan or can I run this by you? And, of course, that's what the business of Kindred is about is, is mentorship. Who've been your mentors along the way? Well, first off, um, my husband and my father-in-law, mm. who um, are amazing businessmen, mm. and I have been watching them for 15 years yeah. and working in their business uh, mm. up until, you know, quite recently or still you know working in the business yeah. um watching them you know go through problems and um big wins and you know just seeing how they navigate you know dealing with staff and yeah. you know just learning so much from them it's a traineeship about really <laughs> traineeship yeah. yeah because they are such amazing thinkers they think totally outside the box yeah, they okay. are true entrepreneurs um, so can you, give it, can you give us an example of that? I'm curious what 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 have you seen? I mean, because oh, you know anyone you know anyone sitting here can you know think think of people who've influenced them. But we all notice different things. Like we take different things from our experience. What did you notice that really was a big moment for you? Was there a particular thing that they did or went through that you really felt like okay, now I get this? Well, um, it's their 
they probably wouldn't even recognise it in themselves, but they do both question everything. Okay. So they never mm. take anything for granted. Mm. They take advice from everybody mm. and then they'll research it. And then they'll say, but why? Why do you think that? Why do you do mm. that? Um, and it's that confidence to yeah. ask more questions and mm. to say, okay, this person says they're going to sell me this for X amount of dollars, but I'm sure that that's not the only way you know, we can do this. Let's mm. talk about how we could do it better yeah. um, and cheaper, but not, you know, um, compromise on quality. Um, so, yeah, it is all about just never taking anybody's word for anything and so do doing, your due yeah, dil diligence. Do your own due diligence. So yeah. that's been one of the biggest lessons for you. Yes. Yeah. And when you got started in the fair trade business, did you seek out any particular support for your business, did you actually think, well, I, I need someone specifically in this area who might be able to guide me? Well, absolutely. I was looking for somebody, but um, I actually went to a, a New South Wales um, network meeting mm. and met a woman who'd been running her own fair trade business for some years. And she was starting to move into mentoring okay. and business coaching brand strategy. Yeah. Um, and... Yes, she started to work with me for, um, you know, some hours per week and has just been the most amazing support. Mm. Um, she's, yeah, transformed the systems yeah. in my business so that I could, you know, look more professional. Okay. So her, her contribution was not just around doing business in the fair trade kind of space but also about processes and strategies and like internal stuff is that what you're saying yes but yeah. you know external as well so mm. all my website my photographs mm. my um you know what I give out to the public yeah it just the whole gamut getting to that okay, okay. so one of the questions I want to ask you Rachel and because I know you're a parent as am I so we know each other as parents is how you manage to to have the balance uh, you know as a parent as well and I just want to point out that this is typically a question that women get um, and men don't get however I just want to state for the record that I will be asking every parent male or female how they how they do this balance because I think it's a really important thing particularly when you run your own business there are more demands of you in a way you know you don't necessarily have a set work day so um, and I'm sure that there'll be listeners who really relate to that so I'd just like to hear your your take on it how do you how do you do it with children well uh, you just hope they don't get ill <laughs> <laughs> can plan for everything yeah. you can't plan for illness yeah and so that is the the one thing that will yeah. you know send your carriage off the rails yeah 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 or or um storms you know we had all those trees down in sydney yes and and our school was closed so um suddenly uh, on a work day i had three children at home with me yeah precisely the day that i was interviewed by a newspaper so <laughs> i'm doing a phone interview and my children are in the background making noise and uh yeah you know it is a bit it can be a bit challenging challenging yeah absolutely mm, yes yeah. i I want to be super mum. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm working on it, yeah. but I fail every day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's just about time management. You do as much as you can when you, when you don't have your kids around, basically. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but even when they are, mm. you know, I, I try and do, you know, work in the evenings and, you know, after they've gone to bed, yeah. you know, I get a bit of clear space. I'm a night person. So yeah, no, it's same. just grabbing those hours yeah. when they're there. Yeah. You know, you can't plan for anything. So, 
And do your children, are they, do they know what you're doing? Are they aware of it? <clears throat> yes. Yeah. Yes. And they say things like, when are the new pyjamas coming out? Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, what are you doing about that swimwear? Yeah. <laughs> Mums, yeah. They hear what I'm planning and, yeah. you know, they like to keep up to date with it. And I don't know, are they old enough for you to, to start the conversation about, you know, what's happening at the production end and why you've chosen to do it this way? Who makes your pyjamas, mum, you know? Not quite yet. No. But uh, in a few years, I'm hoping to take them to India so they can see. Yeah. Yeah. What a I, great thing. I think they need to be a bit older. I yeah. had a friend who took her daughter to uh, India and showed her a slum because she thought that, you know, she would be able to, you know, understand. And her yeah. daughter said oh, that's so lovely for these children because they don't have to wear shoes. <laughs> so she was five at the yeah, time. Yeah. I'm thinking I'll yeah. wait a little bit a little longer. Bit older. Yeah, so they can appreciate yep. it and remember it. But what would make your job easier? Maybe it's more than one thing. No, just help. Yeah. Just more staff. staff. Yeah. 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 But you're working towards that at the moment. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, when I have a desk space mm. to give somebody, I'll be able to... Yeah. Have someone to fill that space. Okay, so yeah. that'll take the pressure off you a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um, a question I'm going to ask everyone is, um, do you have a favourite app? So do you have a, a, an, an indispensable bit of technology that you just couldn't run your business without? I don't mean obviously computer or electricity, but yeah, something techie that you just couldn't do without. Yeah, Google Docs. Okay, Google Docs. Google Docs, to be able to share... Yeah a lot of my um forms okay. and um mm. yeah sheets excel spreadsheets with the other people who work for me who all work from home because yeah. i don't have any space for them to work okay um it is indispensable so better than dropbox yeah. well dropbox is good as well yeah. but um yeah no google docs because of the you know live updating I put something in, I don't need to press save. They can see if I'm working on it at the same time. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just... Okay. Yeah. That's the main thing, huh? Okay. It is. Do you have an app that you use, um, that you, a favourite app? Or do, you, or do you do work? Because I know I often have, you know, now that I've, you know, used Dropbox a lot, I've actually bothered to install the app on my phone so that, you know, as you do if you're on the go, you can just check what's happening in your Dropbox or what have you. Do you have an app that you use regularly? Well, I love Instagram. Really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, As visual. a visual business, yeah. Instagram is, you know, works really well. Yeah. So yeah. that was going to be one of my questions with social media. Is there, you know, do, so do you use Instagram as your main social media? Do you use Facebook? Uh, I use Facebook. Um, and I find that um, I have different audiences on both. Yeah. So there's probably a crossover of people who are followers on Instagram and Facebook. Okay. But um, Facebook seem to be more that people are interested in shopping yeah whereas instagram people follow for the journey yeah. so the fair trade side the um the visual um yeah mm. it's it's more um yeah it's more art based um to just to view for the sake of it but then they're still followers as well but facebook yeah. people are interested in the shopping yeah okay. yeah all right so for different reasons yes yeah last question I have is if you could offer any bit of advice to someone starting out in this industry in your industry what would it be um share it share it with someone so either that's work with a mentor from the very beginning yeah. um because every conversation that you have in your head 
is better said out loud to somebody else. Mm. It's, yeah, it's such a lonely place to be. To start your own business, business by yourself. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It can be quite overwhelming. Yeah. It is, and I think that it's um, it does you a lot of good to be held accountable for things to other people as well. So, yeah. you know, it's difficult to let go of the control, but I think that you would learn... I hope that I would if I was in that situation and yeah. I try to take advice from everybody yeah. um, that yes I would learn to um, listen better and you know yeah. and let go of the control yeah that's a good one for all of us I think yeah yeah <laughs> learn to delegate and learn and, to and delegate the journey great yeah well thank you so much for your time Rachel thank you for asking me and um, you know hope to see you on the platform I think you make a great mentor for someone starting out you know, yeah well I all at sea someone <laughs> all at sea who's going I want to do this but where do I get started so yeah 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 I'd yeah. love to help someone else yeah. thank yeah. you thank you